listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. We're in a series right now called Who Are You? And uh, it's not really asking who are you as an individual, right? Like not your identity, but who are you as the mission, right? Um, because if you're here, even if it's your first time with us this morning, uh, you're, you're, you're family, you're, you are the mission, right? And, uh, and so uh, the series is called Who Are You? And uh, we're breaking down identifying factors that make you and me the mission, right? And, uh, and, and so last week we looked at Acts 2.4.2 and how the early church was living out the love of Jesus Christ. This was like Acts 2.4.2. If you missed last week, check it out. It's a beautiful few set of few scriptures where the early church is meeting in homes and there's just powerful things happening and, and they're living a very radical countercultural lifestyle. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's one of my favorite pictures that scripture gives us. And uh, there's this, uh, they live as individuals in a community that are uh, radically countercultural. They're worshiping and praying together. They broke bread in, in communion form. And also they just had dinners together in home, which like I love to eat, so I'm glad that's part of being a Christian, right? And, and uh, is eating with people. And, and so out of this passage comes the phrase, we are a growing community living out God's radical love. That's like kind of our um, identifying statement. That's who we are. And we, we broke down that phrase last week uh, because the early church was growing deeper. You think that part, and we are a growing community, a lot of people automatically believe that that means like numerical growth, like we started small and we're growing, which we, we are, you know, but, but that's not the growing that we're referring to in that phrase. We're, we're growing in relationships with God and with each other. And that is so much more profitable than any numerical growth we could experience. Like we're putting our, our roots down, to, we're putting our root down, to quote the Beastie Boys. Um, uh, because the early church was growing deeper in relationships with God and with each other and, and they were, uh, they were experiencing they were experiencing this radical love for each other and this radical love for God. And not only did they experience it, but they lived it out. They lived it out. And I think, I think a really good question that I mentioned last week is what if God um, only felt his love for us and didn't do anything about it? Right? Like what if he didn't send Jesus? He was just like, oh man, I love them. But... They're in, they're in sin, and I'll never be with them. What if he did, never did anything about it? That's, that's why we have to live out the radical love of God. And, uh, and so that's what the early church is doing, and this is our identifying statement. Um, we are a growing community living out God's radical love. We are, this, this is our identity. This is who we are. This is what we are about but another phrase around here that takes this concept 
a step further, and particularly how we live out God's radical love within our community of believers, right? Within, within our church, within, within our community uh, the, of the mission. Per, the, this phrase takes, it to, takes that phrase and takes it to the next level. And, um, and today we'll be breaking down the concept of family, Probably not what you were expecting, right? We're, we're, we're breaking down the concept of family. I know it's, so, it's such a theological thing. We're probably going to be here all day as I break it down. But, uh, wow, that was a failed joke. Sorry. <laughs> Man. No, the, re- the reason, it, it, basically, we, we want you guys to understand why week after week after week, and if you're, if, uh, you're new with us this morning, um, I say this every week. We are not just a church. We are a family. That's right. We're not just a church. We're a family. And today we're going to discuss why I stand before you week after week after week and say that same phrase. Um, there's a difference between business and family. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. Right? It seems pretty obvious, right? Lots of people have in the in maybe the last 10 to 15 years have taken to say well the church is just a business the church is just a business and i hate that statement i'm just going to come before you i know we're not supposed to hold hate in our hearts and stuff but like i hate that phrase because it represents everything that uh that i don't want to be a part of in a church where it's financially focused, where it's numerical focused, where it's, you know, stats and figures and stuff like that. And yeah, we need all that. We need accountable finances. We need to have, thank you, Terry, for keeping our finances in order. Like, Terry is one of the unsung heroes of of the church, and, and we need him, and we need all that, but that's not what the church is meant to be. It's not a business, right? Um, And so when you think about it in terms of business versus family and the church being a family, right, Um, when you're part of a business, you have a job to do that you get paid for, right? Hopefully, right? But when when you're in a family, you do work for this family simply because you're part of the family, right? And when you, when you work for a business, the goal is usually to make money, to provide for your family, right? That's the, that's the goal when you work for a business. Like, but, but what would you say the target goal of family is? Think about that for a second. Like, I asked myself that question in my office like two hours ago, and I'm still thinking about it. What was the goal of family? The only thing I could come up with, I'm not sure there's a solidified single goal. I, I, I think uh, the goals of family are far less specific be, because the goals of family is like love each other, be there for each other when we need each other, like be there no matter what, right? Like those are goals a family, but I don't know that there's like one specific goal. If you think of one, let me know, because I'll be thinking about it all day. But 
Make, yeah, church, yeah, yeah. In, in a church context, family, the, the goal is to li- make disciples. That's right. Jesus said, uh, you, you make disciples, I'll build my church, right? And I have hung on to that statement forever. But in, in terms of like a, like a people family, you know, the, w- the goals are like love each other, be there for each other, you know, pay back the money you owe to your sister kind of thing. Like, you know, <laughs> unless, the, unless the sister is really spiritual and f- absolves you of your debt, you know, and, right? No, um, but, but there's a difference between a business and family, right? And just like there's a difference between a hotel and a home. Like, I was in Barcelona just recently. You guys are tired of hearing about Barcelona. I know, but I'm still fired up about it because it's so awesome. But, but, like, we stayed in this hotel, and we didn't really know anything about the place that we were going. We had, like, a website that looked like it had been made on Microsoft Publisher in, like, 97. And, uh, and, and we were like, oh, yeah, there's a hotel there. Okay, cool. And, and so we get there, and it's this beautiful hotel that was like right on the beach and we're just like oh my gosh this is where we get to stay like this is crazy and the Mediterranean Sea is right out there it's just gorgeous right and and the first night we got there like my wife and I we were so tired we had traveled for I don't know something like 15 hours she'll correct that number later but um but it was like something like 15 hours on on a plane and a two-hour drive and like we had we were, had been up for over 24 hours, and we were just tired. And so when we got to the place, it was dark, and we just, like, dumped everything on the floor and went to bed. Who's been there? Who's been there, right? And so we go down to breakfast the next morning to meet the team, and uh, we were, you know, all quiet because we were so tired, and we finally got to talking. And I said, yeah, man, our room looks like there was an FBI search in there. Like, it looks like the FBI just turned everything over because everything is just... Whew, like everywhere, right? And uh, so we go back up to our room after breakfast, um, and it was all clean. <laughs> they folded my pants and put them o- over, like, like not just like American hotel clean. Like, like they like came in and they like moved stuff and like kind of organized stuff and like like put our suitcases away for us. And I was just like. Part of me felt a little violated, and, and part of me was like, thank God, I don't have to do that. Like, that's awesome, right? And so, like, when we came back from breakfast, it was all done. Now, imagine what, like, okay, so I bring my suitcase home, and I open it and throw stuff all over the floor. I go down to breakfast, and what happens? I come back, it's still there, right? It's still there. Right, that there's a difference between a home and a and a hotel, right? Like nobody's gonna unpack my stuff, but me, right? Like Kim did it a few times, and then she realized the precedent she was setting, and then she's like, uh-uh, right? So, um, but there's a there's a difference between a home and a hotel. There's a difference between a restaurant and family dinner, right? Like, if I sit down at the dinner table, my boys are there, my wife is sitting there, and there's a beautiful meal prepared, you know, like in front of us, and I'm like, oh, uh, I don't have a fork. Could, could I please get a fork? And my wife looks at me across the table. Yeah, it's in the drawer. Go get a fork, right? Like, there's a the forks are in the drawer, right? Get it yourself, right? And there's a difference 
Between a rest, like, like if I don't have, if, if, I, if it takes a really long time for the water to come in a restaurant, who's mad? If it takes like longer than a few moments to get water at your table at a restaurant, imagine feeling that way at your house. Like, where's my water? <laughs> right? Well, it's in the faucet, right? It, it's in the faucet. So go get it yourself, right? Like there's a difference between a restaurant and family dinner, but, but I think my favorite analogy of family is the Thanksgiving dinner table because I, I, I love the holidays. Like, I am a holiday nerd. Like, I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving, and uh, I just get fired up about those things. But Thanksgiving is such an amazing time to me because there's a place for everyone around the Thanksgiving table. You know what I mean? Like, even the person you don't speak to all year, like, there's a place for them. You may not speak to them, but there's a place for them, right? And um, I, I just, I, I think it's such a beautiful picture because it, you know the table's diverse, right? The Thanksgiving table's diverse. You got, you got you and your family there, and then you got your aunts and cousins and grandma and grandpa, maybe, um, and you got crazy Uncle Louie who, who, like, nobody really trusts but, like, is keeping a close eye on, right? But there's a place for Uncle Louie, right? There's a place, right? Who has Uncle Louie in their family, right? Yeah, right, right. So, so there's a place for everyone around the Thanksgiving table, and that is one of my favorite analogies of family because church should be like a family in that sense where there is a place for you, there's a place for you. There's a place set for you. We have a place setting set for you at the Thanksgiving table of the mission. Like church should be a place where you feel like you belong, that you are loved, and that the people will be there for you no matter what, even when you mess up, right? And I, I started saying this message you know, like, we're not just a church, we're a family out of my desire to be a part of a family, a church family, right? And, uh, and I just think it's, it, 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 the analogy goes so far because in a business, like, like you climb the corporate ladder, but in a family, you just, you just grow, right? You grow, hopefully, right? Some people in our families don't grow. They're still 12, right? But they're 34. And, um, but, but, but in family, hopefully, you grow. You don't climb the corporate ladder. You're not stepping over people for status, right? You just are. You're a part of the family, right? And, 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 and so that's one of the many reasons why we say we are not just a church, we're a family, because in culture right now, church has all kinds of connotations. Like, when you say, yeah, I go to church, it doesn't always bring up in people who don't attend your church, like, or maybe aren't even saved, like, it doesn't always bring up positive imagery. You know what I'm talking about? Right. So church is a very confusing word to culture right now, people within culture. And I'm not saying we should stop saying it or anything, but I'm saying that 
when you invite someone into family, it feels so much different than would you like to come to church with me, right? Does that track with that at all? Is that, okay, because that's exactly what God does with us. He invites us into his eternal family. In, in, uh, in Genesis 1, it says this. Uh, this is a very, if you're new to the Bible, it's your lucky day. We're going first chapter of Genesis, first verse, right? Like, so no way you can miss it. Just start at the beginning. Uh, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You got that, James? Okay. Well, I just read it for you, okay? So Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, so I want to take just a moment and look at that phrase, God created. So the Hebrew word that is used in this passage for God right there is Elohim. Elohim. And which actually is a plural word. Who knows what plural means? Okay, good, good. Elementary school. Woo, all right. Um, the Hebrew word, so, so Elohim is, is the word that they use for God in Hebrew, but it's plural, not singular, right? God, our term, is, it, it, it sounds singular, but Elohim is plural. And, and the Hebrew verb for create is bara, which is singular, God created, so God, Elohim, plural, created, singular. So the, so the word for God used here is plural, but when God acts, it's the act of one being, right? It's the name is plural, and the action is singular. Like, the mystery of all mysteries in the scripture is that God is one, but in three divine persons, right? God is one, but in three divine persons, and the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, all fully God, and yet somehow one God, right? And, and, and the Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Each are not a part of God. That's where a lot of the illustrations fall short, like the, the, the four-leaf or three-leaf clover or whatever, or the fire hydrant, if you've seen the fire hydrant. Um, like where a lot of the analogies fall short is they make each one a part of God. But the mystery is that each one of them is fully God, and yet they are one. That's the mystery. And if you're like, I don't understand that, me either. Because some things about God you just don't understand, right? And you have to take on faith because the Bible backs it up. And, and when Jesus was being baptized in Matthew 3, we see a moment with all three divine persons who are God. Matthew 13, 16 and 17 says this. John, uh, John the Baptist is about to baptize Jesus. He hasn't started his ministry yet. Um, and uh, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to, the, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven 
said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus is being baptized, and, and, and now remember, Jesus is fully man when he's on the earth, but he's also fully God. So, so the Son, the Spirit, who is fully God, comes to rest on him, and the Father, who is fully God, calls down from heaven and, and calls Jesus his beloved Son, right? Now, just for the cheap seats, one more time, I'm not saying that we worship three gods. I'm, I, I am using this illustration that there, that there is no way to comprehend God. Each divine person fully God, and yet there is one God. It's a mystery, and yet the Bible confirms it, and my bones know it to be true. Anybody else? Amen. Right? My bones know it to be true. Three in one, all are whole and yet make up the whole, which doesn't compute to us, right? But we, but we take it on faith. And, and, and all are whole, but they make up the whole. It, when, you, when you put it that way, it almost sounds like you're describing a family. Because families are made up of whole individuals, and yet they make up a whole, right? It almost sounds like you're describing a family, an eternal family. Think about it. The God of the universe, who is one God in three divine persons, at the dawn of creation, the day the earth was created, he spent six days creating everything, including man and woman. And on, in all six days, God saw that what he made was good. He had night and day, and he saw that it was good. He saw the fish, and he said, amen, you know, and it was all good. Um, and he saw the, the wild boar, and he said, probably, probably looks good to eat. You know, I, I don't know. No, sorry. Sorry, no. Um, he's a living creature. We, um, anyways, so, um, <laughs> but... Um, where was I? I should not freestyle. Sorry, guys. Um, but so each, each day, night and day happen. Day comes, he makes something. And at, at the night, he says, man, it's good. Good job, God. Right back at you, God. Um, and, uh, and so anyways, so six days of this, the only thing he found that wasn't good was what? Man to be alone, right? Like, like so, so God, who is eternal family, saw that it was not good for man to be alone, so he created the first couple and told them what? Fill the earth, be fruitful, and multiply. In other words, create family, right? Every man in here just woke up and was like... <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. He said it. He said it. <laughs> and we all know that things with Adam and Eve didn't go the way God wanted to go, right? After the fall, because of Adam and Eve's sin, there was a separation between them and God. But family is so important to God that he sent Jesus to the earth to sacrifice himself so that we could choose of our own free will to return 
to the family of God. Right? In Romans 9, the Apostle Paul quotes God from the book of Hosea, and he says it like this. Romans 9, 25 and 26, as, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. God is calling us back into family. That's what, Jesus, that's what Jesus' job on the earth was to do, was to make a way for us back into the family of God. The concept of family stretches well beyond DNA. Who knows that, right? It stretches well beyond DNA. So my wife and I, probably about four years ago, um, we... We, chose, we, we watch a show called Blue Bloods. It's like the, I don't know if anybody else watches it, but it's like a crime show and it wraps up perfectly at the end of 45 minutes and like I can go to sleep, right? <laughs> and um, and uh, so that we watch that show, but in the show, th- there's this like family of extended like adult brothers and sisters and their kids and grandpa. And it's like Thanksgiving dinner every Sunday at their house. Basically, they all come to dinner and the kids are at the table and they, they like discuss like kind of adult things and, and, the, and the kids even have a voice in the conversation. And, and my, I, I like kind of was thinking like, Kim, like we should do that. Both of our parents like live far away, but that doesn't mean we can't have, like we can't build a family here, right? And so we, we invited uh, Mark and Adrienne Ashley over, and, and they have kids, and we have kids, and our kids love to play together, and we, all the adults love to play together. And so, like, so we started just having dinner every week together, and it was, like, sacred. And, and when we miss it, we miss out. Like, we feel the lack of it in our life. And family goes well beyond DNA, and, and this concept of family being beyond blood is something that Jesus knew full well. In fact, Jesus called all believers in God his family, which was even more reason why we're not just a church, we're a family, right? Mark 3, 31 through 35, I'm gonna just give you a tiny bit of setup. Jesus' mother and his brothers are looking for him. I can't find him. And, uh, and so they, they, uh, they go to uh, the temple, and uh, here's what happens. So in verse 31, and his mother and his brothers came standing outside. They sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your, so the crowd is talking to Jesus at this point, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered to them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. I love that. And I don't think he meant meant it in a disrespectful way to his mother and brothers, but I just think he had this concept of family being beyond DNA, right? And, uh, I, I, and, and I also, one of my favorite things about that passage in 35 is that he acknowledges sisters and mothers. 
so many places in, in the Bible, just because of the culture and everything like that, it's, it, it's, uh, it's male-focused primarily. And this is one instance in the ESV where he says, he, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. I love that. I love that. And uh, so Jesus had this concept of family being beyond DNA, which is just the fact that Jesus calls me family and all believers family like that. Just if I think about it too long, I get a little weepy. Um, But not only are we called into the family, we are called to call others into family, right? Hebrews 13, 2 says this, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I look at that, and to me, that says, welcoming in people, inviting people into family that you don't know, you don't know their backstory. Like, that's just, that's just the God-fearing believer thing to do, I believe. And Matthew 25, 34 through 45 makes this even clearer why we are supposed to call people into the church family. 34 says this, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from uh, the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. All those things, they sound like a family member to me, right? I think very few people would do that for someone that was just a stranger. People do that. But I, I just, I, as that description is being laid out, that's, that, that right there is what being a good family member's about. And, and so, uh, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. So when we invite people into family, it blesses Jesus. It blesses Jesus' heart. It, it shows him that we are thankful to be in the family. It, it, we're sharing his heart. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared For the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you, then he will answer them, saying, truly, I say to you, 
as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Guys, it is so unbelievably important that I've said it before, but discipleship is not a project-based thing. You don't take someone under your wings or, or, or try to get them to believe in Jesus because they're a project, right? They're a person, right? And, and th- this thing that we are called to do it is so much bigger than taking people on as a project. This is like building the family of God through discipleship and inviting lost sons and daughters to come home again. The people who are still living in the gap where Adam and Eve fell and there is no way back to God. Now there's a way, but they choose not to they, choose, they don't choose it, right? Another part of the reason why family is so important to me personally is because in the Bible in Galatians 4, I don't have this, this, uh, this passage up. Um, give me just a moment. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary uh, principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That word adoption is so important to me because I'm going to be vulnerable with you for just a moment my family was a great family. My mom worked really hard. My, my dad worked really hard. Um, and I, was an only, I, I am an only child. And uh, I, was, I was really lonely a lot of the time. And uh, when I look back on the course of my life, I was adopted in such key areas such key periods of my life by families who were not DNA. I was adopted into a, a, a family um, where a friend would just let me hang out at their house all the time. I was adopted into a, a family where somebody said, hey, why don't you come to this program with me? It's, it's basically a bunch of people who don't want to do drugs and alcohol, 
and, uh, and we like do a lot of fun stuff together. And that, that adoption into that family changes the course of my life. There are so many key moments in my life where I was brought into, for, as a stranger, as an outsider, into a place where I grew and people cared for me and they loved me and they were there for me no matter what. And I just deeply believe that it's our goal as the mission to call people into family. It's, it, it's, it's absolutely crucial that we call the lost sons and daughters of our community back home. And I could go on a whole diatribe about the prodigal son and everything that that means, and, but that's, that's why it is so important to me that this church not just be a Sunday morning sit and split church. We're called to more than that. We're called to do life together. And we're called to be a family. And that's why we're not just a church. We're a family. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for building this family. Lord, thank you for inviting us into your family. Thank you for acting on your love for us. Father, we pray for our community right now. We lift up the community of Redlands, Lord. And God, we ask you to help us call the lost sons and daughters of Redlands home. And home, home to you, not to this specific church, Lord. We, we lift up all the churches in Redlands, God. We Same goal, Father. Father, we, we're, I pray, Lord, that, that lost sons and daughters begin to come home to you whether it be in this church or other churches, Lord, that they would be welcomed back into family, Lord. God, and as we're all individuals and we, we make up a whole, Lord, I pray, God, that we would not, that we would celebrate our differences, Father, and that we would delight in our commonalities. Father, I pray that in, that in this place, Lord, that, there, that you would continue to help us always have a place at the table for a stranger. Lord, ne never let us become closed off. Never let us become ingrown. Thank you, Lord. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.